Hey there, it's Bear Bear. Welcome to Bear Squared Podcast. Hey there, it's Bear Bear. Welcome to Bear Squared Podcast. Today we will continue with our dance series. This episode is the 10th episode that I've released so far, and I'm glad I made it till today. Thank you all for your support, and please stay tuned for more. As a matter of fact, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, it will be a good idea to do so first, because this episode is a direct chronological continuation from last week's topic, the 18th century queen of dances, the minuet. If the minuet was the queen of dances, the waltz would have been the dance of the peoples. This dance, just like the minuet, is a couple's dance in triple meter. The waltz is perfect for the emerging bourgeoisie because it requires much less skill to dance in comparison to the minuet, which means that people don't have to spend a fortune to hire a teacher to teach them how to dance for a few years before they even dare to go to a public ball. By the 19th century, people didn't need to rely on teachers because many dance treatises were published, some directed to the common man, and some a detailed catalogue for skilled dancers. According to a dance treatise published in the mid-19th century, a good waltzer should not be rigid, but instead should be graceful and non-constrained. He or she should be in time with the music and should never bump on other dancing couples. The lady should allow the gentleman to lead her through the dance and never take the lead. If she wants to stop, she should signal the gentleman to waltz to the side where it is safe for them to stop. The man should make sure the lady doesn't go dizzy from the spinning. The gentleman should wrap his right arm on the lady's waist, and the lady's left hand should be gently placed on his right shoulder. They should hold each other's free hand away from the body, around the height of the waist, and their head should tilt towards the side, which they are holding hands. However, they should not turn their heads left or right. For the standards of late 18th century or early 19th century people, this dance is scandalous. It was the first ballroom dance that allowed the dancers to embrace face-to-face and spin in a quick motion, which blurs the couple's perception of the world around them. It is a dance that brings physical and psychological pleasure which isn't noble or holy, hence the social outrage that upheaved along with the introduction of the surround dance. This intimate and atrocious moment can be shown in Mozart's opera Don Giovanni, where the titular character seduces someone else's fiancé with the contradance, a dance in which the waltz comes from. So how do you dance the waltz? Actually, there are many variants to the waltz. 
Unlike the three-step waltz that most of us have learned during high school PE, the Viennese waltz, just like the minuet, has six steps across two bars of three beats. Steps one, two, and three come in one set, and steps four, five, and six come in another set. The gentleman dances set one first, and then set two, hence one, two, three, four, five, six. And the lady does the opposite, being steps four, five, six, one, two, three. Step one means you step in front of your partner with your left foot. Step two means you step outside with your right foot. Then on step three, you bring your left foot behind your right foot. By this step, you should have turned one hundred eighty degrees to your right. Remember to always turn right. Steps four, five, and six is pretty much the same as step one, two, and three, but you start with your right foot instead. Since you have to turn right for another one hundred eighty degrees in order to complete a full axis, and step four begins with stepping with your right foot. For step five, you'll kind of have to cross over your right foot by stepping diagonally to the right. And step six is a little turn with both your feet, and ending with your right foot directly in front of your left foot, again in a V shape with your toes pointed outwards. Basically, the waltz is kind of an imitation of the Earth, which circles around the sun, or in this case, the ballroom, and at the same time rotates around in its own axis. Imagine each couple being a tiny Earth. And the whole ballroom, the solar cycle. To think of it another way, watching the whole ballroom waltzing is like looking through a kaleidoscope. The waltz is an unending repetition of itself, and watching a variety of couples within themselves twirl beautifully. The waltz is romantic and feminine, therefore the music as well. Waltzes have a steady ooh pa pa. Accompaniment that complements the repeating steps of the dancers. The melody to the waltz is also quite feminine and lyrical. The music of the waltz is a reflection of the dance, as it is a self-contained genre. The compositional technique differs from the classical period question-and-answer sentences. Instead, the theme is presented fully as itself, and does not develop further. The waltz can present up to sixteen themes, and once the theme is presented, it disappears. Well, unless there is a coda. Here is an example of Johann Strauss Sr.'s Opus Four, which is a standard Viennese waltz repertoire that is used in the ballrooms for dancing. Johann Strauss Sr. and his most famous son, Johann Strauss Jr. Were the most famous composers of the danced waltz and other dances such as the quadrille, polka, and the march.
As we move along in time towards the mid and late 19th century, we can find waltzes that are not composed specifically for dancing. This is because the sound of the waltz is gentle and comforting. This means that the waltz later has nothing to do with the ballroom courts in Vienna. It had nothing to do with Vienna, and more or less nothing to do with the dance. Frederick Chopin's waltzes, composed during his time in Warsaw, is completely different from the Viennese waltzes in which I mentioned before. Instead of binary form with a medley of 16 different themes, Chopin's waltzes were in rounded binary form, or AABA form, and used only three to four themes for the whole piece. Also, in Chopin's case, he rarely played for a large concert or for a ballroom. His compositions remained within the salon where intellectuals were there enjoying their time. Therefore, his compositions would have reflected that. The waltzes seem to be more intricate and detailed, which follow specific bodily movements of the lady, instead of looking into the waltz as a kaleidoscopic figure. This can be proven by the lack of hemiolas in Chopin's waltzes because every step or every beat is filled with virtuosity, while the Viennese waltz music have frequent hemiolas, which illustrate the shifting of the dancing couples. Chopin's waltzes were pianistic, designed specifically for the piano, therefore lacking a violinistic effect of double stopping, sighing, aggressive thirds or sixths that is specific to the Vienna school of waltzes. Instead, his waltzes have a sense of longing, as he often used half cadences or imperfect cadences within the piece. Normally, Chopin's waltzes are faster in tempi than the Viennese ballroom waltzes, but I would like to show you an example of Chopin's Opus 34 number 2, which is just as slow, or even slower than the normal waltz. I'd like to show this example because it reflects his Polish roots through references to the slow Polish mazurka. Apparently, this waltz is Chopin's personal favorite as well. I would suggest you to listen to Chopin's Opus 64, number 3, 
on your own time as it is the last published waltz by Chopin during his lifetime and is the most drastically different Chopin waltz in comparison to the Viennese waltzes. Last but not least, I would like to share about further developments to the waltz as a music type and as a dance. The late 19th century or early 20th century French composer Claude Debussy composed many dances for the solo piano. And a personal favorite will be the waltz La Plus Cuillante, which is quintessentially French and is also written in the salon style, perfect for five o'clock tea times quoting from the composer himself. His waltzes were romantic and free, and full of the French late romantic spirit of the time, which is far from the impressionistic style in which Debussy was known for. Le Plus Cuillante was composed in 1910, not far from the outbreak of World War I, where the culture of ballroom and waltzing died away with the Austro-Hungarian Empire. The slow waltz came back as a competitive dance later in the 20th century, and its legacy has been passed on until today in which we know the waltz as the king of dances. Its long-lived popularity contributed to its greatness and fame today. In the same way as it did in the early 19th century, the waltz and its music is used by people to cultivate inner artistic appreciation and beauty. Next week, we will continue with the third and last episode of the dance series for now, and this topic will continue in whatever future date as I wish. Please stay tuned for next week's episode as it is going to be a thrill ride throughout the history and origins of dance itself and nationalistic uses of the specific dance that we'll talk about. Please stay tuned to my Instagram for sneak peeks to next week's topic. Thank you for being with me today. Bye! Thank you.